so it's just recording like that. That's all I need to do. It's really simple. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello and welcome to Refigure. I'm Christopher. Why are you talking like that? I don't know, I just felt like being all confident and cheerful. And I'm Reefa. Welcome to the podcast. And if we sound a bit different today, it's because we're recording this in a modestly priced chain hotel room in the centre of Edinburgh. Because tomorrow we're going to go to the V&A in Dundee that has just opened the first V&A outside of London. And it's also a huge contemporary design museum for Scotland. It looks fantastic. And also, this is our first podcast away trip. Yay! (laughs) And we'll talk all about that on next week's podcast, once we've got home safely. But for this week's podcast, we didn't have time to record it before we came away. So we're uh, recording it now. We just went out to dinner at Henderson's, the vegetarian restaurant. Had some very nice food. There was a bloke in the corner doing piano covers of things like Joy Division and Nirvana and a little bit of uh, Outcast as well. And I have a guilty pleasure of listening to... I quite like a piano cover of something silly, like Britney or something, anyway, if it's done right. But he was singing as well, so that was cute. He was cute. He had classic Scottish emo boy type voice. Like all quiet and wavering, a bit Mark McCabe or Lovers Turn to Monsters. He was good. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, should we do postbag first? Yeah, let's do postbag. Natalie and Joe Burns, we should give a shout out to. Thank you very much, Natalie, for getting in touch. They like crammed in two or three episodes on a drive down to the New Forest and particularly said Natalie thinks that you nailed what they felt was wrong with the animation series on Netflix, Disenchantment. Natalie and Joe have this awesome dog called Buffy. He looks like a fox. He does look like a fox. He's really cute. I, You'd said he was really cute, and then I wasn't expecting him to be as cute as he was when I met him. He's a proper cute dog. Anyway, hello to Buffy Burns. Buffy has got his own um, Instagram feed. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. I'll, I'll follow you. Also, in Winchester, a man called Mike Pycock got in touch and he was nice as well so thank you mike i wanted to say a big thank you to todd jordan who runs brighton podcast support group i think it's called (laughs) brighton brighton podcasters and he always has useful information and there's a facebook group for that as well but yeah todd's been encouraging me to start a podcast for some time and so now we're doing it all because of todd really is it (laughs) on to the main dish of the podcast that doesn't work as a metaphor what's your main cultural topic this week my, dear? my main cultural topic of this week is <laughs> we had a trip to the vna london this week regular listeners will know that we are fans of the tate but we popped along to the vna because they had this exhibition on about video games and i thought it was going to be super cool and it was It was pretty technical for me. They talked about all the big games, stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the amount of work that goes on, everything from the music to the characterisation and all this stuff that we find quite interesting about video games. However, the exhibition that 
blew me away was not the video games one at all. It was the one that's called The Future Starts Here, which goes on until the 4th of November. So I really highly recommend it if you're interested in new technologies and how they're affecting our everyday lives. Um, The way that it's organised is that you've got a beginning bit that's all about the self, what makes us human and how we're affected by technology that's existing at the moment such as things that measure our heart rate, collecting our DNA. And it also asks these questions about whether these technologies are really enhancing our lives at all. So if we are all connected, for example, through social media, why are we all still lonely? The next bit is about the public and it's about cities and how people these days are like crowdfunding everything from bicycles to bridges and how we can increase voting, you know, using technology. And then the next bit is about the planet and the environment. There's a driverless car that you can hang out in. I love this sort of shit. I really find it interesting because it's all this kind of space age stuff that we find exciting about the future. And yet all of this technology exists at the moment. And I quite enjoy having a massive room that's kind of like a funhouse, which is super stimulating. Anyway, the last bit is about afterlife and about um, the things that are seriously out there at the moment. If you've got the time and the money to preserve yourself after you're dead, that's all very interesting. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I agree with you about it being quite like a science museum type exhibition, but actually I thought it was better and more solid than the last couple of science museum things I've seen. The V&A have put together this whole series of quite challenging out there sort of deep dives into different aspects of what technology is leading us to. And yet each time they filled it with real solid content. Like you said about the driverless car, they actually got a Volkswagen prototype for a driverless car and stuck it there and it really felt like what a driverless car might feel like where you disengage with the act of looking out the front of the car you're looking at a screen instead you don't need to see the outside of the car yeah because you're not having to read the road yeah and it's like having a big giant screen where you can play games or you can watch a movie phone your friend or just sleep or just sleep yeah i was particularly into the city planning stuff so there were all different examples often with actual physical models there for you to look at of innovative high-tech solutions to the way that we're all becoming city dwellers and then I found suddenly in the middle of it there was this really moving exhibit so you've got all these bits of town planning and mapping and then you've got this 13 year old kid who survived the war in Aleppo building out of bits of scrap cardboard and sellotape and toy cars his own vision of a future rebuilt Aleppo and they've actually included that in the exhibit as well this isn't just highfalutin people this is solutions that communities might come up with themselves because their instinct is to make that solution and all the way through the exhibition in small ways they did that they stepped outside the kind of oh top-down government or big business I thought it was a fantastic exhibition I like the good mix of stuff as well because you've got some hilarious things that went on like New Zealand did a referendum to try and get a new design for a flag and they've got all the different versions of the different flags up that they sourced from the citizens of New Zealand. It was like a national competition, wasn't it? And then they decided, oh, actually, we'll just stick with the old one anyway. And then um, (laughs) I was a bit sceptical because it feels to me a bit corporate 
like corporately sponsored and it's in the Sainsbury's gallery down in the basement but it was actually poignant and heartwarming and interesting and a real proper interactive experience it felt like an exhibition for everyone the future starts here at the Victorian Albert the V&A Museum in South Kensington in London and it goes on until the Sunday the 4th of November it's one of the paying exhibitions On the website, there is an interview with Google's Artificial Intelligence DeepMind, which is the research lab that's based in London. They've spoken to one of their research scientists about their Atari project, where they taught an artificially intelligent agent to play classic 1980s Atari video games. I I know someone who's going to go and work for that. Do you? Yeah, Who's Alice. That? Alice X Brilliant Noise is going there. Wow, what a cool place to go and I know, work. right? Amazing. I haven't seen her since I heard it on the rumour mill. You need to have a coffee with her I and know. see if she passes the... She's just I was going to say clever. the Bechdel test, but what I meant was the, the Turing test, not the Bechdel test. What's the Turing test? The Turing test was devised by Alan Turing, and it's the, the set of questions you ask. She's not artificially intelligent. I know, it was a joke. She's a real person. <laughs> it was a joke. Um... <laughs> We both went to see Macropole's production Doom Room at the Old Market this week. And Doom Room is a kind of interactive, immersive experience that blends real-life stuff that you go through, you kind of walk through an experience with real performers, plus a large element of virtual reality in the middle. Most experiences that blend real-life stuff with virtual reality or augmented reality at the moment, there's a massive clunkiness about when you put the headset on. So even if they're trying to create an experience where they're all performing and they're all characters, when it comes to the moment of putting on the headset and swapping into virtual reality, it feels really ridiculous. They're kind of suddenly kind of going, oh, let me just adjust your headset and sort out your headphones. And it feels like really awkward and it doesn't feel like part of the performance. But somehow with Doom Room, they took us through a ritual and halfway through it, they put a VR headset on us and headphones on us and a kind of cowl, like a a hood over us. And yet that whole experience felt like it was part of this ritual. And then at the end of the experience, when they take it off, it's even more extraordinary. And they've actually used some hack technology and some really clever performing to make the experience of transferring back from virtual reality into the real world really seamless and also kind of uncomfortable and weird. It was like a half hour, the kind of dreams you have that you don't share with anyone else that should be secret private dreams, had been remixed by Werner Herzog or David Lynch and then put into this ritual. And it was some really dark shit, but at the same time... The funny thing was, I came out of it incredibly uplifted by the experience, even though it touched on some really, some very dark themes. I found myself kind of quite ecstatic coming out. So you went in as well. We both went in at the same time, although it's a solitary experience. What did you think of it? I'm quite adverse to things like clowns and circus and stuff, (laughs) Okay, And some other people have told me about you know, obviously I've heard about Punch Drunk and all those kind of things where people dress up and they go to secret cinema and whatnot. I hate it. I hate dressing up. I hate fancy dress. I hate 
performance like that. You really don't like being bullied into doing something. Oh, well. I just find I just find sometimes theatre is like that. I find it really difficult to suspend my disbelief. Sometimes, sometimes, I found. Um, you know, people afterwards who'd also seen the performance were like, you should totally do Punch Drunk and, oh, it's really good. And all I can think about is, like, health and safety. Why would anybody want to be on a gurney whizzing around? And, like, <laughs> what if a really old lady, like, has a little heart attack at the end of it or whatever? I mean, for me, I don't really get scared like that. In fact, my imagination was running riot more like, is somebody going to get suspended by their feet from the ceiling? Is someone going to get beheaded? Is something grotesque going to happen? Like, But I thought the performance of the woman at the beginning was amazing. I've been in situations where I'd, in real life that were fairly weird like that. Anyway, all I'm saying is... <laughs> what well, have bit... you been to satanic No, ritual? I'm just... You know what I mean? Like, you know it's a performance, so... Well, I knew it was a performance. And when somebody says to you at the beginning of a performance and says, oh, if you get a bit scared, you can put your hand up, that means for me it's like I don't need to worry about anything. I'm just, like, not quite throwing myself into it, which is what you're supposed to do. I was just not involved in it at all. I'm just a spectator watching something happening to someone else. Other people said to me that their heart was beating all the way through that segment, whereas for me... I once went on a course where we were meditating on death and the death part of it really freaked me out because when we went into this deep meditation, I didn't see anything and I went into a blackness that was really scary. Even in a really dark cave, in real life cave, your eyes adjust to the darkness, whereas I went into a really dark place, okay? (laughs) So, like a grave. So, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? We should do, like, a VR experience of being in a... Anyway, what I'm saying is, there's some pretty hairy bits in it, but those weren't the bits that scared me. (laughs) Fair dues. But there were some little scary bits, and I'm still scared. (laughs) What are you reading for? What are you reading for? Can I do my tells I expected again? Reefer of the of the hotel bed. What are you reading for? Okay, I'm so I'm still reading the book I was reading last week, but I read this week a horrible <laughs> article. I can't read a book in a week. It's terrible. These podcast sessions come too quickly. I'm going to be a little bit emotive this week and tell you about a article that I read by Jamie Grierson, Home Affairs Correspondent in The Guardian, and it is about the Windrush scandal that is a continuing uh, atrocity that's happening in this country. A special task force, can you imagine? It's just a company that the government have decided are going to decide whether... British citizens are going to be deported or not. I'll say that again. British citizens are going to have their fate decided upon by some random company that the government have hired in order to work out whether they are good enough to stay in the country or not. And we're not talking about people who are refugees or asylum seekers who have recently come to this country, we're talking about people who have lived in this country since the 1950s, and some of whom came with their parents when they were really small, 
and they weren't given proper documents when they came from the West Indies. The, uh, the West Indies were given their independence and were invited to the UK in order to make up the workforce in this country, in the NHS and in the uh, railways and all kinds of industries in the UK. And they weren't given proper documents, they weren't given British passports, and they weren't properly sorted out. And so only recently this particular government have decided that these people aren't really British citizens that have started deportation processes and there's been some awful, horrible stories that I won't go into now about people being humiliated, having lost their jobs because they can't prove that they are British citizens. There are people who were charged thousands of pounds in order to get NHS treatment, even though they worked for as nurses in the NHS and uh, it's their children and their grandchildren that are having to sort this out for them. And now the government, a few weeks ago, had said that they weren't going to deport anybody, have now said that they've decided that there are some people that they're going to refuse to give citizenship because they've decided that they don't have a good character. And I think it's absolutely disgusting, and we're just lucky that we've got MPs in Parliament like Diane Abbott and David Lammy and others who are trying to fight this because if the people don't have the right documentation then how the hell are they going to prove anything to anybody and it's it's an absolute scandal that they've even started talking about this now it's just so stressful and I can't imagine what all these different families are going through at the moment. So this particular article was in The Guardian. The Independent has also been running lots of different articles and it's, it's under the banner of Windrush Scandal, so there's a number of different related articles as well. So this particular article I mentioned was by Jamie Grierson. You can read more about Windrush victims as well who've actually... Some people have even died over this, which is just sickening. OK. And what have you been reading, Chris? That sounds so performed. I know, but that's how I am perform The whole thing, everything is a performance, Chris. Good point. I'll say it like this. And Chris? <laughs> yeah. Chris? Yeah. Chris? Yeah. Chris? Yeah. What have you been reading for? I've just started reading Haruki Murakami's new collection, Men Without Women, which is a collection of seven new short stories, kind of dealing with loneliness... I haven't read a Haruki Murakami for a while, but I realised as I started it that he's one of the authors I've most completely followed and admired throughout his career and throughout my life. And he's one of the very few authors where I've read pretty much everything he's ever published in English or had translated into English because he's a Japanese author. And I even met him once. I met him at a book event and... Um, I asked him if he liked Richard Broughton and he said he did because I challenged him that he'd stolen a pasta-making scene in his classic book, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. I was convinced he'd ripped it off of uh, a Richard Broughton scene and he admitted it, he had, so that was really nice. Anyway, the kind of Murakami books that I love most are the are the really epic, magic realist, uh, psychodrama type books that use alternate realities and get really spacey the ones i like less are although i still enjoy them are the kind of quirky jazzy romance books so for example 
Hard-Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. It's one of my favourite books of all time. I also love Kafka on the Shore and the Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, and I'm less into Norwegian Wood. And I suspect, having got halfway through the second story of Men Without Women, that this collection is going to be erring more on the side of the romances. It's a kind of study of modern loneliness. And I think he captures it, and his writing is as absolutely brilliant as ever. So it may well be a wonderful collection, but at the moment I'm feeling slightly wobbly on it. And the other thing I realised was, I started reading it and immediately clocked that I'd not finished 1Q84, which was his last really big book. It didn't even just come out as one book, it came out in sections. I didn't even finish it. In fact, I think I only got halfway through it. So now I might have to stop reading Men Without Women and go back to 1Q84 and finish that first. So maybe I'll be reading that next week when we talk about books, but maybe I'll still be reading this. This is quite a small Murakami book. Hopefully I'll get through it quite quickly, but that's what I'm reading. Well, this has felt like a really epic podcast recording, even though we're just basically lying in bed in a hotel room. It feels... um... I think that sometimes with art, I get really into it, and it stays with me a long time. But doing this podcast has overstimulated me. Like, (laughs) somebody said that they've been watching Sharp Objects on Netflix after we recommended it, and my brain couldn't respond. I couldn't remember what you the bloody series was, was about. Oh my and maybe God. that's how meditation has physically changed the way I think and my brain and memory and making me more like of the moment and really absorbing things here and now. I think I'm getting overwhelmed by all the different things that we've been watching and seeing. But the funny thing with that is we haven't been watching and seeing more than normal for the do podcast. You think? No, we really haven't. Do you think? We do this all the time. I Definitely. Feel like I'm watching Apart from... too much TV. But you're watching the same amount of TV no. that you've been what you are. We've binged quite a lot of different intense, really good things lately. Everything we've watched lately we would have watched anyway. Mm. Like maybe this trip, the fact that we've taken the time and money to come up to go and visit the VA in Dundee is a different thing. Well, maybe I just need a bit of a rest. Well, you can have a bit of a rest if you want. <laughs> right, so Refigure Pod is our Facebook group. Woohoo! It's really good. We've also got an Insta account, Instagram, Refigure UK. I'm sorry, it's all different. No, they confusing. don't care, it's fine, people can find it. Refigure UK. Yeah. And please tell your friends and listen again next week because we're going to have a special one. And thank you very much for all your likes and subscribes and your lovely comments. We are genuinely doing this just for a laugh. And it's quite amazing that so many people are listening. So you are wonderful. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Don't fly up.